What's up, fam? Pretty pumped, pretty pumped. <laughs> I, uh, I I actually preached I preached one time a, a number of years ago at Jesse's dad's church. Is Jesse in here? Oh, oh, do you remember that? That was that was something. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue. <laughs> and I was like, I'm ready. I'm gonna do this. And then I got up there and I was like, What am I doing here? What am I doing? Um, but I I really am like super super excited to be here. I'm like pretty nervous about it, and I, I really think corporate time together is incredibly valuable. There's just people listening to rooms coming out of my mouth to work. I mean, that is like a self mouth basing thing. Just like man, like there's a lot of people who could say a lot of words, um, and so I really count this as a very precious time. And I just want you guys to know that. And I've really like put my heart into trying to come up with something like clear to articulate what I feel like the Lord has put in my heart. Um, and so I just want to pray again. Just because of what Brad said, like, I just, let me actually start with these verses. Um, these verses, the Lord really spoke to me like a year and a half ago, and they just like changed my life. Um, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? And so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And a little bit lower, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? Like, a lot of the stuff in the Bible isn't necessarily that hard to mentally wrap your mind around. Like, the message of, like, Jesus and God, like sending Jesus, like there's some crazy stuff in it, but like mentally you can understand the story without receiving the spiritual power of the gospel. And so even as I speak, I just recognize like I can say a thousand words and there might be some really cool, crazy stuff that you maybe haven't heard knowledge or most of you probably hit an order before complete and not a matter of like, and it's like, oh, like I'll have just need to see Jesus and that's pretty much it. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to pray. I, yeah, I just want to pray. And we'll probably just do some praying over the course of me speaking because I just, that's just what I want to do. Um, <laughs> so, Jesus, man, Jesus. God, this is just your time. Like we come together because we believe in you. And we believe that you want to talk to us. We believe that you want us to understand the things that you've done for us and the things that you've given to us. So would you just shed a little bit more light this morning on the gospel? Would you just shed a little bit more light on Jesus Like Paul prayed, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you and enlighten the eyes of our hearts? 
Yeah. We just trust you to speak. Man, God, I trust you to speak. I just trust you to speak this morning. Thank in Jesus' name. It's like three. Amen. Turn off because I'm sending for Michael. So, you know, Travis, thank um, And then, like, I'm going to share the next week. And then the next week is Everyday Epic, and I'll be out of town along with a bunch of others. And then maybe the next week as well. Um, so I'm going to be sharing on The Secret Place and just, like, spending time with the Lord. And I'm, I have, like, man, I'm so pumped about it. I'm so pumped about it because it just changed, it's changed my entire life. It has changed my entire life. And I just, like, I just want to see it happen to everyone. Not that it has, like, I, so I have a couple prefaces. One, in sharing, I just want you guys to know, like, I'm preaching to myself just as much as to you guys. Like, this is fun for me to do because I do it by myself all the time. Like, I, I preach to myself all the time. Like, I just get in the car and drive, and I just find a place in my life that is just not, where I'm not believing the truth or where I'm not experiencing God or where I'm not, like, living up to what I feel like the Lord has called me to do. And I'm just like, I'll just preach, man. I'll just preach to myself because I need to hear truth, and I need to, like, exhort myself and build myself up. And so I just want you guys to know, like, sometimes I can say intense things, but it's not just like, oh, you guys need to get all your stuff together. It's like, man, like, let's go. Like, let's go. I just really want you guys to all know that. I'm, like, really grateful to be here. I'm really humbled to be here. Um, when I first brought it up to Brad, he was like, yeah, just let me know when you want to talk. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I was, like, I was spending time with the Lord, like, I don't know, five months ago or something. I really felt like he invited me to do something like this. And I just thought it was kind of a crazy idea. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to. And Brad was like, yeah, just let me know when you want to talk. <laughs> like, uh, okay, hold on. Like, let's, uh, so we had a couple conversations about it over the several months. And I was um, all right. This week, you know, just a little bit um, out. Like, I kind of just like the secret testament and um, like some of, just some of like man's history of a relationship with God, which sounds kind of like broad, but I feel like it's really relevant for you when you wake up at 7 a.m. and sit on your living room floor and try to somehow make connection with this person called God. Like, it's very relevant. And so we're going to start with that. But at least to start, I'm going to share my story a little bit more like sometime in the later weeks. But at least to start, I just want to say like a year, almost a year and a half ago, I think it was actually like May, May 29th, 2017, Andrew Graber and I were sitting in my kitchen. He was about to leave for the summer to go down to Nashville. And we had just been like, we walked together a lot over the that school year and just prayed together a lot and stuff. And we were talking just about spending time with the Lord and just, like, how inconsistent we can be with it, like, what a struggle it can be sometimes, but also how much better we know life is when we're really consistent in trying to spend time with the Lord and, like, praying and reading the Word and just really, like, seeking God. And I'm I'm going to, like, dive into more, like, just what I even mean when I say spending time with the Lord. But needless to say, like... I think we all have an idea of what it means to, like, try to spend time with the Lord. Um, and so Andrew and I were talking about that, and we were just, like, I think it was more from, it was more him than me. He got pretty intense about it, and he was, like, what are we doing? Like, let's just do it. Let's do it. And I was, like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and it's, like, no, like, like, let's just, let's do it. Let's just, we, they're accountable. This Google time with the Lord. And it's just, and just, like, a sheet, let's stand I just set it up, and I, like, figured out how to set it up so you, like, check all the boxes, and they all start out yellow, and then each day you just, like, check it to be green whenever you spend time with the Lord. That's what we did. <laughs> it was like, you know, it might be like, I don't know, maybe that sounds weird, but it was just like, man, 
we need to spend time with the Lord. Like, how can I possibly say I'm trying to follow Jesus? My number one goal in my entire life is to love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. And I get to the end of a day, and I was just like, yeah, I don't really have time for that today. Like, that's baloney. That's baloney. Like, you have time. You have time in your day to meet with the living God. You have time. It's just worth it. It's just really, really worth it. And so we were talking about that. We were just like, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this. So we set up this spreadsheet, and man, like, there were so many yellow boxes over that summer. It was like, it was, oh, man, there were a lot of green ones. There were a lot of green ones. But I remember there was, like, a chunk where it was, like, 15 days, and they were, like, all yellow. And I was, like, I typed in there. I was like, Andrew, I'm struggling, bro. <laughs> like, I was just, and I was. I was not doing well, and I was just, like, not spending time with the Lord. And I was just, just not in a good place. Um, but even with all that, like, it was so valuable to, like, take, just make ourselves accountable to spend time with the Lord and just make that a priority and, like, do it until it becomes, like, a natural ingrained habit in your life. Like, it was just so worth it for us to do that. And I just, it's just really changed my life. Just really changed my life. And I'm really excited to share more about that. But I just, so much, I just say, the Lord, say, like, ever done obvious, like, year and a half, five or six, like, when I first started, so much really chose to follow you. The Lord, and it's just like, honestly, one thing that I've prayed a lot going into this is like, Lord, I feel like there's stuff that you've done in my heart and in my mind that I don't have words for. And so I don't know how to like share it and communicate it with people in a way that will like get, the, I don't know how to share it or communicate it or even articulate it. It's just like stuff happens when you get in the presence of God that's so much deeper than your mind can even understand. Like you just can't even comprehend things that are happening. Like we're just, sometimes we feel like we're so aware of like, oh, God's doing this in my life and this is what he's asking me to do. And that's totally true. Like that's totally possible. But like there's so many things he's doing all the time. <laughs> it's just like there's stuff like our, our minds and our hearts are even such mysteries that it's like we can't even comprehend everything that's happening in there. And just getting in the presence of God, he does things that we don't even, aren't even aware of at all. Um, so I've really just asked God, like, Lord, would you like give me words to just express some of the things that you've done in me, because I, I really do, I just get so passionate, but then I don't have words, so I'm just kind of up here like screaming, <laughs> just like not super helpful, <laughs> so I'm trying to like, trying to rein it in, so give me some grace, I'm not, I haven't done this a lot before, so if I'm kind of jumping all over the place, <laughs> bear with me, um, but yeah, I'm pretty pumped, I hope you guys can see that, <laughs> um, <laughs> so dude, I have like, I started typing out scriptures for just stuff that I wanted to share. I probably have enough scriptures on this page to just like read them for the next hour. <laughs> I'll just, just I get worry. read the Bible and to, to just do that. But I got to share some stuff. I'm preaching the Bible. I'll preach Jesus. Just don't worry. Um, so <laughs> my goal for this whole time is to just hopefully like encourage and exhort and maybe inspire you guys to to become a little bit more aware of like just what is happening whenever you wake up in the morning or in the evening, whenever it is, and you go to whatever place you go to to try to spend time with the Lord, whether that's like a, an ideal quiet place or in your house in some room when kids are screaming, like whatever that is, like that time is so much more than just like a helpful daily ritual. It's so much more than just like a helpful personal development thing. It's not something that like, like, it's, there's something that can happen in that time that is out of this world. Like, it's divine. 
and it's not just like in some self-help health self self-help book <laughs> that you can just like get somewhere else. Like it's so crazy. And so the reason I want to talk a little bit about the Old Testament is I feel like it gives us a little bit of context for where we're living right now because thousands of people, million, billions of people for thousands of years didn't have what we have spiritually right now. And I don't know how aware of that we are. And again, like even as I say this, like I'm saying it to myself because it's like, man, I want to grow in this so much more. <coughs> but the Old Testament, we were like, we read through the Old Testament and it's like, oh, you read through Genesis and it's just like, all these crazy stories, and there's a lot of them that are like, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with that story, Judah and Tamar, like, I don't know. I don't know. But like, there's other like, ones that are like falling. There's crazy going on. And this pot is like their old couple, Sodom, baby, and there's like, and there's like supernatural stuff all happening. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, this is really wild. Like, God's showing up and speaking these promises to Abraham, and they're having these dreams and angels. There's just like, you read this stuff, and it's like, whoa, like, they had something going on. Like, this is really crazy. And I think sometimes what we don't realize is, like, you can sit down and read the book of Genesis in, like, a couple hours. But, like, the book of Genesis takes place over a period of about 500 years. Like, that's a really long time. <laughs> like, there's, like, maybe, I don't know, 40 or 50 main characters in the book of Genesis that we look at. And they have these stories, and we can look at these stories and be like, oh, my gosh. Abram had these encounters with God where he just came down and spoke these things to him and gave him these promises and it's this really wild thing and it's like that was like one encounter and I, I wrote I wrote out a whole timeline I won't I don't I might read through the whole thing I don't know but <laughs> um, even in the life of Abram the specific stories in the book of Genesis there's about maybe I didn't count them exactly but maybe like 10 specific encounters that are listed in Abram's life over a period of a hundred years like, he's 75 when the Lord comes to him and says, hey, like, I'm going to make you a nation and, like, gives him these initial promises. He doesn't have Isaac for another 25 years. Like, 20, that's my entire life. Just turned 26. Just wrote 25 years because we a specific story. Finally had 25 years, then he has Isaac. Just 40 years, then Isaac marries Rebecca. Then 20 years, then Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Then 90 years until Joseph is born. Another 17 until Joseph has his dreams. Another 13 until he comes into Pharaoh's service in Egypt. And there's another nine years before he, like, goes through the whole thing with his brothers. Like, there's all this time. Like, there's a whole lot of time in there. And then there's, like, just so much more there. The, like, the Israelites are in Egypt for just decades and decades under slavery. Even when Moses is born, there's an 80-year there's an period. His, like, a ton of his life happens between when he's born and when he comes back to Egypt to, like, deliver the people at God's command. 80 years! Like, I don't think we're, any of us are 80 years old. That's like a really, really long time. And it's just easy to look at these stories and just see like, man, like God was really doing stuff back then. Like he was really active. Like he really showed up in people's lives. Like he really, like he really spoke. He really moved. And it's like, we have no idea. Like this is like a few characters. And it's not to say God didn't do anything outside of the exact stories that we have in the Bible. But it's just like, this is like, even in the entire Old Testament, like, Maybe there's a couple hundred people. And, you know, nations are involved and there's a lot of big scale things. But it's this huge chunk of time. And we have these specific stories of God moving in specific ways. And it's, I think it can be easy to look back at that 
and see certain things in scripture and it's like, man, like I've never prayed a prayer and have the sun stand still in the sky. Like, where is God? Easy. Look at it. That's not, and just life is, and, and to compare and look at, okay, this is what Jesus was doing then. And then it's like, okay, it just, it, it, it's hard to even reconcile your mind. It's like, okay, when these people had interactions with God, it was like pillars of fire and cloud and there's like supernatural provision and manna showing up and they're being healed and like the prophets are doing all this crazy stuff. There's just all this stuff happening. And it's, I just don't think we realize how long a period of it was happening, how few people were involved in those stories a lot of the time and just how many people, how many people weren't. Like, how many people in the nation of Israel were not involved in, like, you know, didn't directly know Elijah? Like, most of them, I would imagine. Like, they're, they're, it wasn't like the standard experience. All these people just have this immediate direct access to God, and everyone's just like Elijah, praying these prayers, and clouds are just appearing in the sky, and rain is falling, and widows are getting oil, and bread is multiply like it's just it just wasn't it wasn't the standard experience and i think it's easy to look at the supernatural stories in the bible and i don't obviously don't at all want to downplay what's happening in scripture like just wrapping our minds around one of those stories is enough to just change your life and blow your mind about who god is like it's just it really is enough to just really make you think um but i just i just want to say that just to just to try to draw a little bit of a connection and help us see like this, a lot of the stories that we see there weren't just like, oh, every day, humdy dum, ah, this person was gonna went and prayed, and he was like, we're crazy, and over a happened in a long period of time. like the Old Testament God itself is like thousands of years, and he was, and I just, I just want us to be aware of that because I think sometimes I can be like, man, what does what does it even mean for me to wake up in the morning and try to approach this living, holy God, who did all these things in Scripture and try to have some kind of interactive relationship with Him? when like this is what's in scripture and I just, I don't know, that's not really my experience. <laughs> like I don't, it can just be, it can feel like a very different scale or it can just feel very disconnected. And so I, I just want to point that out um, specifically. And then I just want to go through a little bit of, how am I doing on time? I don't, I have no concept of time right now. Um, <laughs> 1223, okay. Oh, I got oodles of time. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I do want to specifically look at just the nation of Israel. I should have put out some slides or something. Oh, that, that shouldn't be there anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I should, I probably should have gotten some slides, but I, w I will try to go through this and yeah, try to make it interesting. Um, do you realize there was, there was no, so from the period of, God first speaking to Abram to the Israelites being at Mount Sinai, Scripture says it was about 430 years. So there's just like this 430-year period where there's not really any like, there's no instruction from God on how to interact with him. There's no, it's just kind of like there's this God somewhere behave, and he just kind of like hears them, wants to, you know, interacts with what their personal engine looked like a lot. There was like, there was nothing from God. Like there was no system that he laid out that was like, hey, this is who I am. And this is how you should approach me. And this is how you should pray. And this is how you should like, we just have all these things in the Bible. It's just this big book. And it's like, you can just go buy it at a bookstore. And it's just like, oh, here's all the rules about, 
you know, oh, here's Jesus talks about how to pray. Jesus talks about fasting. Jesus talks about, and you just pick it up and read it. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, there was a huge chunk of human history when there just, that, that wasn't a thing. And it's not because God was a bad guy. It's because, like, the fall happened, and, like, there was this broken relationship, and there's all this, there's just this brokenness in the world, and there's not really any clear answer from the Lord yet on, like, what we're going to do about it. There's just, like, brokenness. And that was just it. There wasn't, there was no, like, oh, I'm going to, like, seek the Lord and pray, and he's going to, like, respond to me. Like, I'm not saying he didn't respond to people. I'm just saying, like, there was no laid out thing. And it's not until Israel gets to Mount Sinai and Moses goes up the mountain and God like gives him this huge list of 613 commandments, but also like this whole system, like a whole tabernacle system. And it was the first time that God was saying to this people, like, I'm going to, I'm going to dwell among you. Like I'm going to make my home in the midst of you guys. And that, that was the first time that we had that since the garden. Like there was just a huge chunk of history that we that just wasn't a thing. Like that just there was just there was no connection. There was that just like it just approach. I'm just gonna go. It's not a. He's just a. And and you were just like that in the world. It doing your thing. It just wasn't an option. And so God shows up and like this whole thing is by His grace, anyways. Like the book of Joshua tells us that Abram was just worshiping idols. Like he wasn't like, oh, the one guy on the planet who was seeking God and just like God picked him because he was this holy faithful. It's just like, it just says God picked him because he was like worshiping idols and he just chose him. And it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just, yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, so God gives them all these commandments and he says to them, like he gives them all these commandments and he says, if you fully obey, this is Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. And then there's just like 13 verses of just all these blessings. It's like, you're gonna be blessed in the city. You're gonna be blessed in the field. You're gonna be blessed in your working. You're gonna be blessed when you farm. You're gonna be blessed when, it's just like this whole list of, if you walk in these commandments, you're just gonna, like, you're just gonna have a blessed life. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's just literally like if you just read it, it's just like you're going to be blessed. Like it's literally how it starts. Like, you're going to be blessed in the city. You're going to be blessed in the field. It's just like you're just going to be blessed, man. And then there's another part. It says, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. And then there's 52 verses of just curses. There's just 52 ver like. It's just a really big chunk of scripture. That's just like in this. If you don't do this in the country, everything that's in child, entire law, cursed when you kids, you're gonna be cursed the same way. You're gonna be cursed first in the bed, and it's just like this is the living God speaking. Like this is what He's saying to His people, and this was like a blessing. This was like, man, we've never known how to interact with God. We've never had an opportunity to even like, we've never even been given a chance, like aside from the garden, but like. Since then, we haven't had a chance to have God among us. Like, that wasn't an option. And so now, like, finally, God, by his grace, just picks this guy who's worshiping idols and says, hey, I'm just going to raise you up and make a nation out of you. And I'm going to, like, they get to Mount Sinai, and he's like, I'm going to dwell among you. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this system, and you're going to follow all the rules of the system, and I'm going to be there. And so they, they set up this whole big system. 
and it's this tabernacle system, and, it, and like that, this is the book of Levit- Leviticus that like no one wants to read because it's just like this super dense list of all these commands and all these specific rules about how you should go about doing everything that you need to do in life, and it's like thorough. It's like how to weave your clothes. It's how to clean your bed. It's how to like cook things. It's what you can eat and can't. It's this super intense code that involves everything that you need to follow in order to have communion with God. And again, like we look back and we're like, oh, the law, the law was a bad thing. And it's like, the law was like the best revelation man had at the point in time. It was this big man telling us how this, what we need to do to be with. And he's just showing, like, hey, like these are all this you need to do. And it's just like, oh, all right. And it was like, you know, I, I would imagine they were like intimidated by it. We're like, oh, this is like, this is a lot of stuff. But, they, you know, they went for it. They were like, all right, we're going we're gonna to do this. So, they like, you know, they take up all these offerings, and they, they get all these guys who are skilled craftsmen and stuff, and they start building all this stuff. And it's like the Lord even gave them all these instructions, like, hey, you're going to, like, build a, a tent, and it's going to have these measurements. It's going to have, like, these kinds of fabrics. It's going to have this kind of wood. It's going to have this kind of metal. It's going to have all this stuff, and you're going to use all of this to build this place that I'm going to dwell and so he sets it up, and I, I sh- again, I should have put up a little graph or a picture or something. Um, but he sets it up, and there's, like, there's this tent, and it's this tabernacle, and there's, like, gosh, why didn't I put a picture? Um, there's, like, three different parts. There's, like, this outer court area where anyone can go, and then there's, like, this inner place, which is the holy place, and then right inside that, there's, like, the holy of holies. And there were, like, separations between each area. And it's, the whole thing is, like, super, super symbolic of the entire new covenant and, like, the coming of Jesus and the death and resurrection. Of Je- the whole thing is just, it's mind-blowing. There's, it's just really wild. So even if you, if you went into this place, the first thing you do, you walk in, and there's just this big altar. And it's, like, it's like seven feet, or it's, like, eight feet by eight feet, and it's just, like, three feet high. And it's just this huge altar, and it just has a fire burning on it all the time. And the first thing you have to do when you walk into it is offer a sacrifice for your sins. It's like the first thing that needs you. You walk in, getting close to God, it's like the first to offer a sacrifice happen. And there's the thing, paid. whole list of all the situations when you have to, like there's mandatory offerings and there's voluntary offerings. There's just all this stuff. And I'm just not going to go into all of it. But <coughs> the Levites were like the specific tribe of Israel that were set apart to minister to the Lord. Like they were just this, like the one tribe of Israel out of the 12 that were just chosen as like, you guys are going to be the ones to minister to the Lord. They were the only ones who were allowed to actually allowed to go like inside the tent. So there's like this whole like court area and people can come into the whole court area, but then there's a tent inside of the court and only the Levites can go in there. And when they go in there, there's like all these conditions again, like they have all these robes and they have to wear them and they have to bathe before they put them on. And there's all just like all these rules about like, this is what you need to do in order to come near to God. And even then it was like, you get into the holy place and even in the holy place, like there's another big separation. There's like this veil that was made and it's like this thick, heavy veil. That's like the holy place, like the holy of holies where God's presence is actually resting is like in here. And then there's this really thick veil and like no one's allowed to go in there except one time in the entire year, which was the day of atonement, when it was like the one time in the year that there was this ritual they would go through to pay for all their sins. The high priest of Israel would come and there was like super specific instructions again on like how he needed to do it. And before he even went into the Holy of Holies, 
he had to like burn this incense so that the incense would create smoke and just the smoke would basically can't see obscure the eye so that when he get to it he wouldn't smoke in there so they could see him just and then he is, he's like, can't go in there, and he has like blood on the altar, and there's just, again, all these symbols. But like this, this is the system that God sets up for people to have relationship and communion with him. And it came with all these blessings, but it came with all these curses. And James chapter 2 says, whoever, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. He who said commit adultery is the same one who said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the entire law. And so it wasn't that like, oh, this is just this terrible system that God is giving people. It was like, there's, there's a ton in the New Testament too, and I, I'm trying to stay focused here. But there's just, this is, this is the grace of God. <laughs> like, there's, I mean, if you read Psalm 119, it's just this, it's the longest psalm. And it's the whole thing is like, we're so blessed to have the law. We're so blessed to have all these decrees from God. We're so blessed. And every single one, there's like all these sections of it. And every single one talks about like the decrees and the statutes and the laws and everything that God has given to us. Like we're so blessed to have all this stuff. And like this is, this is the people that God has chosen for himself. Like this is the fellowship that he's inviting people into. And this, this is what's available. Like this is what's available to them. So they set up this entire system. And it's under this system that, like, up another huge, huge chunk of time. They're in the being in the desert, like not forty. Set this up, and they they into the promised land. They're in the promised land conquering. Takes maybe like seven to nine years. A lot of these are like, we don't have exact dates for a lot of this kind of stuff. So you could probably find something and be like, you said that wrong. But like, roughly, I'm giving a rough timeline here. <laughs> so like another like seven to nine years in order to like the book of Joshua. And then there's this period of the judges when once they're in the land, the judges period takes about 400 years. If you read through the book of Judges, it's 400 years. And a lot of those, like, there's specific lists. It's like, I mean, it's just, man, it, guys, read the Bible. Just read the Bible. <laughs> like, I just, I'm really trying to stay focused, but, like, it'll just change your life. It just really will. I just, I've been reading through the Old Testament, and it's really crazy. And the book of Judges, like, you go through it, and it's, you know, oh, 18 years passed. And then the people fell away from the Lord, and they did what was right in their own eyes. And then God sent them this judge, and he came and he delivered them from the Philistines because the Philistines were oppressing them because they were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then they get delivered, and then they're good for a couple years, and then 19 years later, like, oh, they did start doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord again. And it's just this cycle again and again. It's literally like, I mean, that's kind of the point of the book is just to point out how cyclical this whole thing is, but it's like you read it for the 17th time, and it's like, guys, like, come on. <laughs> like, why can't you see this connection? Like every time you do what the Lord wants you to do, these really, really good things happen. And every time you don't do what the Lord wants you to do, evil people come and take you over and oppress you. Like it's just this super clear pattern that's drawn throughout the whole book. And it was ultimately, you know, meant to try to demonstrate that to the people of Israel. Like, hey, this is what's happening. <laughs> like, let's do something about this. Like, let's serve the Lord. And so for 400 years for the book of Judges, Saul, David, and another hundred, finally gets years or so. And then David and so that, just this really chaotic thing where the whole the kingdom of Israel gets divided and there's times where Israel is fighting against itself and like there are these kings and most of them are just completely evil and there's a few good ones who just have these really crazy stories of the Lord showing up and doing really wild stuff. But again, this is like, these are the kings of Israel. This is like one guy out of hundreds of thousands of people 
who's like, who is, you know, living this life that's like faithful to the Lord and the Lord's showing up in these really crazy ways and delivering the nation of Israel. But they're still living under this system. They're still living under this law. They're still living in this place of like, all right, like I'm going to go to the temple and I'm going to, depending on my, the amount of money I have, I have to either offer like a bull or a goat or a ram or a bird or some flower or like whatever it is. There's just this whole really specific system. And there were times that they just didn't even follow through on the system because it was just like really complicated. And there were just, sometimes the kings of Israel were just like, we're not doing this. <laughs> like, we're just going to go to these idols. And it was just this, it was just really, really rough. And so I do want to talk specifically about the temple a little bit because it's the temple is really just like a more permanent housing for like the tabernacle. So it has a very similar system. There's like this bigger outer court and then there's like a holy place where the Levites go and then there's the holy of holies. But it's just, it's just really, 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 really wild. Um, I, I like numbers a lot. I feel like numbers give me some context for stuff. So... Um, First Chronicles 23, it says when David was setting up the Levites around the tabernacle. So David, David's son, Solomon, was the one who built the temple. David, over the course of his life. <laughs> oh, hey. Did you do? Um, I will use. Um, <laughs> so David, David set up this whole, like, he basically just organized the, the tribe of Levi, the Levites, to do just this whole praise thing. And it's like. It says the Levites over 30 were numbered 38,000 men. 24,000 of them served in the temple and 4,000 sang praises. There's like 4,000 people in the nation of Israel just devoted to just singing day and night. Like that's just it. It's just like, man, like, and it wasn't like, I mean, maybe some people were like, why are we doing this? But like, I think for David, it was like, this isn't nearly enough. Like, we need way more people than this. Like, we, like, this is not even, like, he just can't, he just can't even get enough people. So this is thousands and thousands and thousands of people. This is in, in talking about the preparations for the temple. David said, this is First Chronicles 22. He says, indeed, I've taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord. 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I've prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. One talent of gold is 75 pounds. He says, I have 100,000 of these things. Like this, and I just want you to all this and to build a temple. David, God, Lord, I want to build. Like he's like, when David said, I'm telling his son, but I'm going to let your son. Okay, like this. Got all and this is like the preparations that he said that he has. Hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver. That alone is like, I don't know, I did the numbers or something, that's like hundred and fifty billion dollars or something. Like it's like a ton of stuff. It's a ton of stuff. And this is this this is the system. This is what they have. This is this is what relationship with God is. This is how they approach him. Th these are the rules. And there are times if you don't follow the rules, you die. And there are people who died. There was a time there were guys carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was like the actual place where God would dwell. And the priests like stumbled and, or the ox, I don't remember the exact details, but like they stumbled and this guy thinking he's like gonna help out runs over to try to catch it so it doesn't fall to the ground. And he just dies because he just touched it. it just, and it wasn't like, what? That's so unfair. It was just like, no, you just, you, you did what you shouldn't do. 
<laughs> like you went and you touched the place that God dwells. And so you died. And that was it. And it's like, this happens a bunch of different times. Like, I mean, right at the beginning, right when the whole system was set up, Aaron, his very own sons, like he has his sons ministering and they, they did something wrong. They like used this fire, I think, that like wasn't the fire that they were supposed to use. And they died. Like, a bunch of people died. It just says like fire came out from the presence of the Lord and just consumed all of them. This is Jesus. I just want to make the connection. Like this isn't like a separate person. Like Jesus is one with God and he's the one sitting in the locker room that disconnect and like, oh, it's odd. Then it's so it's a lot. And he was like, this, and now we have like this, like we have this access, but it doesn't change who he is. So, like, I just, like, just, just make that connection. Like, anytime you see the Lord, even in the Old Testament, like, you can put Jesus there, and that's, like, a fair, it's a fair trade. <laughs> they're, they're the same. It's like, this is Jesus. People are trying to approach Jesus, and there's no way set up for them to do it. And if they do it wrong, they die. Like, I just, Holy Spirit, just, like, let that sink into our minds. Like, help us understand that. Because it's not just like, oh, like that's such a horrible thing. It's like, no, this is God. This is God. This is what he's like. And that's not a bad thing. He's good. We can still sing, you are good. You're good. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, we can. We really can. Like, I freaking love that song. And I sing it. But God's still really, really holy and still sits on a throne where there's just lightning bolts all over the place. It's still true. So they set up this temple. There's like this huge, yeah, this is a good picture of it. Um, so the, yeah, you walk through the gate, outer courtyard, the altar of sacrifice is right there. You walk in, the first thing you have to do is sacrifice something. <laughs> I don't know what all these things are, honestly. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't planning on going through it, um, <laughs> but I, I could have researched it. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, the holy place is where like only the Levites could go, and then there's the veil, the most holy place, the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is like don't like the mercy seat, and so God would actually one day of the year they ask his presence, high priest could go in there, and they had to bring the blood, like they had to set up the smoke and stuff. Like there's just all these rules for how to approach God. And this is this is what he set up for us. It's like, all right, like this is how we're going to do this. <clears throat> and this system goes on for a really, really long time. Um, I just want to read a few verses. Um, gosh, time's going so quick. I just want to read a few verses. Um, <laughs> I've already been talking so long. Um, just about the old covenant, because like I can talk a little bit more about the word covenant later if you guys want, but it's just like this, basically it's just like this specific like formal system that God sets up in order to have relationship. It's like a higher person and a lower person. You set up these all these conditions and it's like, all right, I'm going to do this, you're going to do this, and then we're going to be able to interact in this way. And that's like a lot of, there are all these covenants throughout the Old, Tes Old Testament that the Lord set up for people to have interactions with him. And they came with blessings and they came with curses if you did what they you were supposed to or didn't. So when I say the old covenant, I'm kind of using that term pretty broadly, um, but you could apply it specifically to like the covenant of Moses, like everything that happened in Mount Sinai, like the whole law, that whole thing. Um, 
So specifically in Exodus 34, so this is when Moses is like going up and down the mountain. He's talking with God. He actually ends up on the mountain for 80 days, just like, that's just wild, guys. You should just read the Bible. Um, He's just on this mountain for 80 days, and the mountain is just smoking, and there's just fire and lightning and all this stuff. And the nation of Israel is like, they don't even want to go near it. Like, they actually wanted them to fear the mountain. Have them fear, and then you tell speak to Moses once. Like, we're so afraid near that. You don't want like us. Oh, <laughs> and yeah, it's just, this is a big deal. And so uh, Exodus 34 says, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil. So this is talking about the tabernacle. Moses would go in and out. It says, whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So Moses was kind of like this privileged guy, and there's actually verses in the Bible that just says, like, there was never a prophet like Moses who actually spoke with the Lord face-to-face like he did. So it's just like, I don't know how that works. Like, a lot of people died when they came near the Lord. For some reason, God let Moses do it. I don't know. Um, but this is, like, this is what's happening. He, like, goes into the presence of God, and is like this. There was this cloud over this place where Moses would go to meet with God, and he would come out, and his face would just be shining from the glory of God. And it says like the Israelites were like afraid of it, so they would put this veil over it because it was just like the glory of God on this guy's face. And it's just like, oh my word. Um, and I'll, I'll connect that to the New Testament. I really do want to at least make a little bit of a connection to where we're going in terms of the secret place and a lot of stuff in the New Testament. Um, So under the same covenant, so David, there were there were like specific, so David and like Solomon and all the king of all are still under this whole law, like they're under the law system. They, it's under the tabernacle, they have them, that system of all, comes into the temple and like has this relationship with God. Like he develops this relationship with God. And I don't know if it's ever blown your guys' minds, but sometimes I read the Psalms and I'm just like, man, this guy like, like no one told him to write the stuff that he wrote. Like, no one was like, oh, David, you, like, God's really good. And so, like, you should write a psalm about, like, how amazing he is. Like, no one told him to do that. This is, like, this is his private, like, journey with the Lord. And there's a lot of, like, really rough, dark psalms about when he's, like, dying and stuff. But, like, there's a lot of crazy ones, too. Just a few excerpts. I mean, Psalm 27, we're, we sing about this all the time. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Like, it's easy to read that and be like, oh, yeah, that's in the Bible. And it's like, no, like, that was a guy who, like, spent time in the temple and was like, I don't want to do anything else. I literally don't want to, like, this is the one thing that I want to do. I never want to leave. No one told him to write that. No one said to him, hey, this is, this is what Psalm 27 should say. It was like, he spent time in the temple and then was like, I'm going to, and he just started writing and was like, this is all I want to do. This is the goal of my life. This is all I want, to spend all of the days of my life in this place. Like, I, d- I don't even know what to say about that. Is that how you feel about God? Is that, how you, is that how you think about your time with the Lord? When you wake up and you go downstairs, I don't, again, I'm just using a specific situation, but like when you wake up and you go sit on your living room floor and it's quiet, is it just like, this is all I want to do? Really want to, I'm not saying it has to be kind of like ecstatic. That's all the time stuff first. I'm gonna talk about like the. I really want this. This is 
old, this is a, an old covenant. This is like, we have a covenant that's way better than this, way better than this, and gives us way more access to God than David had. Way more, way more, way more. Way more. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm really not kidding. Psalm 73, David. Uh, I'm pretty sure he wrote this one. He might not have, actually. Um, but it says, whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I forget. I don't, I think that one might not actually be by David. But um, same, same idea. It's just like, no one, no one was like, hey, we're trying to write a book of Psalms so that people can read it later and really think God is good and great. And we're going to like try to convince them. So like we're going to write this thing and like you're going to act like all you want is God, even though like you don't really care. It's just like, no, that wasn't what this was. It's like this guy has some kind of like something, interaction with God, relationship, whatever you want to call it. And what comes out of him upon that relationship in the context of that is like, there's nothing else I want. Like, what do I want? Like, a bunch of money? Like, kids in a family? Like, I don't want to put those things down. Like, family's great. It's just not God. Like, what else do I want? <laughs> like, what? there's nothing else on the, in, there's nothing, it's just that I want. This is nothing else that I, this is old here. Psalm 16. We just sang this. I the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There was a specific time. Um, I'm going to wrap this up. Don't worry. I'm not going to be here forever. But there was a specific time when Solomon finally f finishes building the temple. The temple, by the way, took like 18 years to build. Like a really long time. And it took, like, 150,000 forced laborers. Like, it was a really, really big project. Um, they finally finished this whole thing. Solomon prays this, like, really awesome prayer in Second Chronicles 6. Um, you should check it out. It's a good prayer. But after that, Second Chronicles 7 says, As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not even enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and when they saw the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and they gave thanks to the Lord saying he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Yeah, I'm like I'm gonna try to run through this real quick. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to get my writing on this thing. Um,
So when Jesus died, there was this veil, and the picture's not there anymore, but between like the holy place and the holy of holies, in the temple specifically, there was this veil. And it wasn't just like, oh, you know, like this little, the little thin papery veil that brides wear sometimes. It's like, this is like a curtain, and it's like 30 feet tall, and it's like really thick. And to even like move it, it took like a couple guys to like pull it because it was <laughs> like a really, really big, thick curtain that was like separating like God's presence is here and the Levites are here. Like there's this, this dividing wall there. And one of the things that happened, uh, Matthew 27, 50, says Jesus cried out with, again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Um, so it's like the very next thing, because Jesus yields up spirit, the curtain was torn in two. Like you would die there because to look, and a lot of people did die. Not specifically that we have like record of, but like, People died because they came close to God on terms that weren't the ones that he set up. And so Jesus dies, and the first thing that happens when he dies is this curtain that is just absolutely enormous just rips in half from top to bottom. And for the first time since the law was given, like the room where the presence of God dwelled, like you could look into it. And and I think I think what I always wondered, I remember I remember reading one time um a quote from A.W. Tozer about like the Holy of Holies. And I think I was just always kind of blown away that it was just like there was a time when God's presence was like manifest in a place. Like there was a room you could go to and you weren't allowed to go to it, but you could, like, get near it. It was just like, you know, it was only like, you know, you could, I, I could be standing here, and the presence of God would be right behind that door, and I wouldn't be allowed to go in there, but I could, like, be here and be like, man, God's, like, right there. He's right there. Like, that just sounds kind of cool. <laughs> man, like, that's wild. He's, like, right there. And, like, Jesus tears the veil. And then it's, it, I was, I remember first kind of reading the room. So I was like, where did the veil tear? Oh, the presence of God is anymore. Like, and it's like, in the room, it's not there. Now there's, now, like, I don't know. I don't know of a place that I can go to where I can just find God in a room other than my living room. I really need to stop talking. Like, it's, it's already late. But <laughs> Jesus. Oh, there's so much more stuff I want to say. But thank you guys for listening to me. Oh, Jesus.
God, I, I, I love you. I hate stuff in my life that doesn't say that to you, but yeah, I just appreciate you a lot. I want to appreciate you more. I love you. I want to love you more. I ask even in this moment would rise just over the next that we would be able to the unseen. That when we are seeking you out and trying to spend time with you and every visible, tangible cue is telling us that nothing is happening, that faith would rise in our hearts and that we would develop a very real awareness of what it means to come into your presence boldly. Let us not take that for granted. Let us not approach it trivially or tritely. But God, would you draw us near to you? Would you draw our hearts near to you? Even this week, man, God, Holy Spirit, would you bless every attempt however strong or weak that we make to seek you out. Every bit of time, every moment of silence, every time we turn our heart and turn our mind and turn our affection to you. God, would you, would you redefine the secret place for us? That any experience that we've had that just makes us feel like it's not really a big deal would you just reveal the truth to us? Yeah. I'll just let the light shine. Um, just, yeah, on all of our attempts to yeah. seek you out this week. Would you meet people, God? Would you remind them of anything that I've said that is relevant for them? Would you just like open up a new realm in each person's walk with you and just in our church of meeting with you? Like I just, there's so much more. There's so much more than we're aware of. for hanging out, Kevin. I'm excited to share more in the future.